to Moments with Marianne. I'm so delighted we're spending this time here today. We have a very amazing show coming right up with special guest, David Young. And he's here today to share with us his new book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. Now, David is a multifaceted musician known for playing two Renaissance flutes at the same time, and he sold over a million copies of his songs. He started his company with his last $100 in Venice Beach, California in 1990 under the name Celestial Winds, and now 300,000 people every day are uplifted by his 60 recorded albums. Many call his music the most heavenly healing music on the planet, with over 20,000 healers and healing centers using his music daily. So let's welcome to the show, David Young. Thank you so much, Marianne. What a pleasure it is to have you here. And my goodness, it's like all of your talents have come together within this book. Yeah, even talents I didn't even realize that I had. Because <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't a painter all my life. You know, I've been a musician all my life. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, I I started doing meditation events um, that incorporated my music and my, at that point, my 30 years of meditation that I had been studying. And it was really incredible how people started having these experiences with their loved ones at my meditation events and. A lot of these experiences, I didn't even know were possible. So it was really uh, an education, just coming to my own events, playing the flute for a half hour and creating a beautiful spiritual sound that really transported people. I played two flutes at one time, along with my tracks that have angelic sounds in, in it from my albums. And people started sharing that their mom or their grandmother or a best friend from childhood who died young appeared to them during the meditation while I was playing flute. And every single event that I've done since 2014, five or 10 or 20 people at the event shared that experience. And it was really mind-blowing for me because in all my years of meditation, I never had an interdimensional experience like that with somebody who wasn't alive anymore. And... After about six months, about 500 people had shared those experiences. And then something really weird happened. Um, Three people at one event all described seeing Jesus stand in the same spot in the room. And I grew up in a Jewish family, and that was was a total mind-blower because, um, you know, Jewish people don't really recognize Jesus as being a really cool guy. You know, and growing up in a Jewish family, I was one of those people. And even though everybody knows Jesus was Jewish, his real name was Yeshua, and he was a rabbi. There's five references in the Bible that he was a rabbi. And in order to become a rabbi, there's two things you have to have first, and that is you have to have a wife, and you have to have children. And Mary Magdalene was his wife. Well, you know, and a, a lot of, spec, of speculation has moved that way, but to be able to have these channelings come through where you're getting this information, yeah, I'm sure it's resonating with a lot of people. It really is. Um, there's 50 million Americans meditating once or twice a week, doing yoga once or twice a week. So the whole spiritual 
ascension that humanity is going through now, it's it's in our mainstream. You know, in Miami, there are more yoga studios than there are coffee shops. Same thing with Southern California. And so spirituality is a part of our lives now. I mean, everybody knows three or four people who do yoga or three or four people who, who meditate. And it's amazing how many people don't believe the old biblical story um, that this, you know, really handsome, charismatic man didn't have a woman in his life, you know? Like, that's hard to, hard to believe, you know, because everybody who, who has experiences with Jesus, you know, says really handsome, you know? Um, and so the fact that Mary Magdalene was taken out of the biblical story um, for various reasons, the fact is, is that, you know, when we meditate, we can connect with our loved ones, and we can also connect with the Ascended Masters or the Archangels. And so there are thousands and thousands of people who are having experiences with Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus shows up, Mary Magdalene shows up with them because she's an Ascended Master as well. She was a healer. Um, she was an amazing, amazing person. Yeah, it's it's just so fascinating what has transpired. And so for our listeners to kind of get an understanding of your journey before all this happened, you were doing music. You know, you, you've been a musician, but it wasn't to the point where you were receiving messages from Mary, you know, the two Marys, and then Jesus, right? No, I wasn't receiving messages from anybody because I had talents for speaking in public and telling spiritual stories and creating really spiritual music. I had recorded 60 albums of music. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a lot of different talents, but channeling, channeling messages was not one of my talents, you know. And so what happened was they had to communicate with me through different professional channelers. So... For example, I just did my 397th meditation event, and these events are called A Portal Between Heaven and Earth. So in the last four years, I've done two or three or four of these events every week all over the country. And I I didn't have that chance, that challenge for channeling. So many of the people who would come to my events who were professional channelers, they came to my event as kind of like a spiritual battery recharger for themselves because there was so much energy, spiritual energy in the room from playing this music and and from all the energy and the support that I had from the Archangels. Originally in 2014, these events were called soul activation workshops because people felt and described that while I was playing the flute, their soul was being activated awakened in a way that they hadn't ever experienced before. So after about a year of that, um, I got a new publicist back then in 2015, and he and I were talking all about the ascension that was happening in the world with all these people waking up spiritually and starting to climb the spiritual ladder and looking for higher truth outside of the organized religions, you know. And talked about the ascension a lot, and by mistake, he said, well, we need to get a new press release out on the soul ascension workshops. And I said, I know you said that by accident, because 
they had been called soul activation workshops. Mm-hmm. But I like the sound of soul ascension workshops. So let's change the name of the workshops to soul ascension workshops. And tomorrow we'll send out an email to all the people who are working with me that we're changing the name of the workshops. At 6 o'clock the following morning, before I sent out any email about any of this, one of the promoters who was working with me in New York, who was a very spiritual person, sent me an email and said he was in meditation that morning and the heavenly team, which is the Ascended Masters and the Archangels, gave him a message to give to me that we're supposed to change the name of the workshops from soul activation workshops to soul ascension workshop workshops. And we had never sent out the email because I had the conversation at 8 o'clock the night before. So you can see how interconnected all of this stuff is and how confirmed so many things can be in our lives. Because you can get a message from Spirit and somebody five states away can get the same message from Spirit that they just gave you. So after calling them soul ascension workshops for for about a year, I decided to call these workshops a portal between heaven and earth because that was a clearer way of describing what people would experience when they came to my events. So normally the events are two and a half hours, sometimes they're three hours. The first half hour, I explain to people what's possible because most people, myself included for a long time, don't know what's actually possible spiritually. Because we've grown up in this century and, you know, all of us grew up with organized religion, organized religions don't teach you how to have communication. Mm -hmm. Jesus or Buddha or Moses or whoever, whatever, you know, leader of that religion is, even though they didn't start those religions, those religions were made in their name long after they had died. But you know what I mean. Um, The religions don't teach you how to have an experience with them, how to speak to them, how to hear them, how to interact with your guides, with your spiritual guides. Okay? And so I explain to people, you know, what's possible. So, for example... There were five people at one group, in one group, that all were visited by Jesus in the, in the meditation while I was playing the flute. And he gave all five of those people the same Hebrew symbol. Now, none of those people in that group were Jewish at all, but he was giving them that Hebrew symbol. So this way they could share their experiences as, as part of the sharing after the meditation was over. And they would be able to confirm, oh my gosh, I saw the same thing. He gave me the same experience as he gave to you. So that kind of validation is such a helpful thing to anybody who's starting to get into spirituality because there's a natural tendency to wonder if we're imagining these things or if our subconscious mind is making these things up. But when you have other people experience the exact same thing in a group setting, It's really valuable. So then there was another group where this woman in Syracuse, New York, shared, after the meditation was over, there were about 40 people in the room. This woman shared that Martin Luther King showed up to her and told her that he had work for her to do in two to three days. Forty people in this room 
heard this woman share this on a Friday night. Two and a half days later, on Monday morning, this woman sent a message to me via Facebook, said, I was called into my boss's office this morning, Monday morning, and my boss put me in charge of the Martin Luther King Fund at my company, and I didn't know there was a Martin Luther King Fund at my company. Oh, wow. So, so you know what that's called? <laughs> that is Normal. Called, yeah. <laughs> Those are the things that happen at my events two or three nights a week or or more, you know, sometimes I'll do 10 days in a row at, at different cities. But I've gotten so used to these things that it's like nothing surprises me anymore. And a lot of times people will be visited by more than one of the Ascended Masters. Like For example, there was somebody who shared an experience where Krishna, Yogananda, Jesus, and Buddha, all four of them showed up to this person during the meditation, and they had a whole conversation. Hmm. Incredible. Were you, were you a little skeptical when you started receiving these messages? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, was, I, I was so skeptical that you can't even, you can't even believe it. Um. <laughs> I, I thought that being skeptical showed people I was intelligent. Like, you know, there's that, you know, oh, you don't believe anything that you hear um, and only half of what you see. You know, Benjamin Franklin had a thing to saying about that. I didn't believe in any of those things. I believed in meditation. But because I had never had an interdimensional communication or conversation, you know, you couldn't even talk to me about this stuff because I didn't... I didn't believe it at all. And so the way they convinced me was through these events where these people consistently every single night were sharing the same kind of experiences. And, you know, after I heard 500 people over six months share what their grandmother or their dad or their best friend from childhood had to say to them or where they took them in the heavenly dimension and what colors they saw and what the feeling was. You hear 500 people share that. If you're still skeptical, well, then that's not God's fault because you're not really realizing that these things are being put in your path for a reason. You know, so at first, you know, we're skeptical because we think it shows people were intelligent, but after a while, if we're still skeptical after 500 people tell you the same story, well, that's not intelligent because you should be able to, you know, part of life and spirituality is learning to read the signs that life has given you. And if you can't believe 500 people telling you the same story, well, that's your own problem. You know what I mean? Maybe that sounds like it's a harsh thing to say, but, you know, intelligence is reading the signs reading the signs of life that life is, is giving you. We all get these signs, but how much we listen and pay attention to these signs, and actually we can benefit so, so deeply from learning to read the signs of life. Um, you know, any person that you call a genius, that's somebody who has learned to listen to their inner voice, learned to listen to the guidance that life is trying to give to you only to make your life better. I know the worst things in my life I could have avoided 
if I had just listened to that that quiet little voice inside my head that was warning me about something. Yeah, it's so interesting when we get that inner dialogue going and we learn to trust it, just how much really transpires for us. It's, that's kind of where the magic all happens. Totally. Totally. The, the more you listen to that inner voice and trust that guidance and follow it, the more magical your life becomes. I mean, my life has, well, you've read my book, so you can, mm-hmm. you know, vouch that I've had a pretty magical life. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> Well, and so for our listeners, you know, why don't you share a few of your thoughts on, you know, like the first time that Jesus appeared to you directly? Like, how did you feel about that? Um, there are different ways that we can have these experiences. Sometimes we experience this communication through like a voice that you actually hear somebody speaking to. Sometimes you experience it through a feeling, a profound feeling that you have, like you you feel this presence that's very close to you, that's in the room with you. Sometimes you experience them as a light, that you'll see a light in your room. Sometimes you'll experience them as what I call a sparkle, because it's a little sparkle that any time I would think of Jesus, this bluish sparkle would appear. And any time that I felt that Buddha was in the room, this more orange-colored sparkle would appear. And any time, like at my events, sometimes when I'm playing the flute, I would open my eyes and I would see this little, kind of like this fiery red, but it was, um, it wasn't like a red, it was like a cross between red with a little bit of magenta or a little bit of purple in it. It's not actually red. I need to find out what exact color name that is. But anytime I would see this fiery red um, sparkle over someone's head while I was playing the flute and they were meditating, when the meditation was over, that person, every single time I saw it over the last 397 events, that person shared that they had experience, just had an experience with St. Germain. Mm. Um. So each one of the ascended masters, they have different ways of appearing to us, okay? Um, and then sometimes, you know, sometimes you'll see, you know, the um, like the profile of a face. You know what I mean? You can tell it's a, it's a head. You, know, you can see where the hair is. Um, a lot of times professional channelers describe that they don't see a whole body of an ascended master who's giving them a message. They only see the head. You know, with the hair and the basic shape. Um, but I had many experiences, I mean, thousands of them, uh, with the different ascended masters, with them coming to me either as a light that had a certain color to it or a sparkle that had a certain color to it. And after a while, I was able to recognize who it was because they gave this to me in a consistent way so I would be able to have a connection with them, you know, because in the beginning, my mind was not open to getting messages because my logical mind kept getting in the way of that. And so, you know, for years, they they communicated with me through um, different professional channelers. 
And it was amazing how consistent the messages that I would get from different channelers with these people. These channelers didn't know each other. So just imagine if, like, on a Tuesday, somebody called me up and said, okay, I was at your event last week, and, um, you know, Jesus and Archangel Michael gave me a message to give to you. And they would tell me what this message was. And then on Thursday, somebody who came to an event two weeks earlier sends me an email and says, hey, I just got a message from Jesus and Archangel Michael, and they told me I'm supposed to give this to you. And that's the same message that another person that they don't know who lives in a different state gave me the same message two days earlier. To me, I call that evidential channeling because there's evidence. There's no way you could make the stuff up. And believe me, if I got out of the, the headspace of being skeptical of all this stuff, then it should be easy for anybody because I was so skeptical of all this stuff. You couldn't be more skeptical than I was. But then after a while of doing this thing, I had different experiences where I could, I could see their faces, which was really great because I felt like I was getting better at it. And it was also fun to be able to see who, you understand what I'm saying? It was, able, it was fun to be able to connect a face with this inner guidance that I was getting, you know. I got to tell you something that, that's really funny. This, um, I've heard so many moving stories and hilarious stories, but this just happened last month, and this is my favorite, favorite new story to share. So this woman comes to my event after the meditation is over. She explains that she gets to the boat because part of the meditation that I do, I do a guided meditation where I lead people from the beach onto this boat where they get to connect with, with an ascended master or one of their loved ones on this boat. On that note, we're going to pause here for a quick break. We've been speaking with David Young in regards to his new book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. You've been listening to Moments with Marianne. We'll be right back after these messages. Internationally recognized and award-winning author Judy Goodman works and teaches outside the box of limited thinking. Working with people from every walk of life, her goal is to empower you to be the best you can be, no matter what the challenge is. Born with the gift of seeing beyond our normal vision, she has an extraordinary gift of working with every challenge. Teaching beyond conventional wisdom, her work is described as life-changing. Visit JudyGoodman.com. That's JudyGoodman.com. There comes a moment when you realize you're somewhere special, when you discover that each beautiful creature that you see has been rescued from a life of absolute horror and brought to this incredibly free place. Here's where their lives were forever changed and where yours will as well. Discover over 500 tigers, bears, and lions at the brand new visitor center at the Wild Animal Sanctuary just outside Denver. For more information, visit wildanimalsanctuary.org. Discover true freedom at the Wild Animal Sanctuary. Have you ever had the sense that your thoughts might actually be doing something? Ancient secrets of manifesting have been masterfully revealed in the award-winning book Manifesting 123 by Ken Elliott. 
For the first time, the author's experiences and stories in this book describe exactly how your thoughts can create anything. You've been doing this all your life, but it's never been fully explained for you until now. Visit Manifesting123.com for more information today. Manifesting123.com There are nearly 2 million Americans living with amputation. Many live right here in San Antonio. Becoming an amputee can be scary, frustrating, isolating, but there's no reason to feel alone. The San Antonio Amputee Foundation is here to help support you and guide you toward resources such as home and car modifications and even prosthetic limbs. For more information or to make a donation, visit saamputee.org. We'll help you live a full, active life, one step at a time. San Antonio Amputee Foundation, healing limbs, hearts, and souls. Welcome back to Moments with Marianne. We're here today with special guest David Young, who's sharing with us his new book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. Now, David, before we went for a break, we were talking about how you have these different events and people are coming up to you and they're sharing their experiences. They're receiving messages that are important to them. Have you ever personally received a very powerful message or is there a message that's that's very powerful that kind of stuck out for you that you'd like to share with us? A message that I received or a message that somebody shared at my event? That you have received personally. Okay. Um, this was about two and a half years ago. Um, my ex-girlfriend, Amy, who was an amazing channeler, mm-hmm. she she was born with that gift. And she didn't know how to play two flutes at one time or play guitar or sing, but she could channel incredibly. And so she called me up and said that um, Jesus wanted to talk to me. And this is like a normal thing in my day, you know, is, is your is your aunt Selma going to call you up and 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 talk to you, or is Mimi going to call me up and say, "Oh, Jesus wants to talk to you," or Mother Mary wants to talk to you, or <laughs> any of it? You know, this is part of my normal day. It, it became a part of my no- normal life, you know. And so she told me that um, <clears throat> Jesus said that he wanted me to ask God who my soul really is, and then after after that he said. Each time somebody talks to you, see, see, the, see the light in your eyes, as if God was talking to you. And when somebody talks to you, listen to their heart, as if God was talking to you through their heart. You know? And that conversation happened about 5 o'clock as I, as I was on my way to an event in upstate New York. After the event was over, the host had set up for me to stay at someone's house. And so they had a spare bedroom where I stayed. And the following morning, I woke up and this person who was hosting, you know, giving me this place to stay, um, had made me breakfast. And there was a little note right next to my breakfast. And she said that this morning she got up and in meditation, Jesus came to her in meditation and told her to give me this message. That each time somebody talks to you, see see the light in their eyes as, as if God is talking to you through them. 
and listen listen to their heart as if God is talking to, to you through their heart. He gave this woman the exact same message that Mimi had given me the day before as I was driving to that event. And it was on a piece of paper right next to my, my breakfast. That is amazing. It, it's just interesting how these messages come forth. And I'm sure at your events that you have, especially Portal Between Heaven and Earth, you, you probably get some, I mean, you've, you've shared a couple with us, but you probably get some just amazing messages that come from that. Oh, it, it's, it is incredible. Um, historical things like people from history, I mean, Benjamin Franklin has appeared to people about 15 times at my events. Um, I have to I have to say that two years ago, right after the election, I did an event in Sedona, and this guy shared that George Washington showed up to him in his meditation. And at first, George Washington showed him a golden pyramid. Like if you look at the other side of the dollar bill, um, with George Washington's face is, you know, on the front, but on the other side, there's a pyramid with a, you know, a smaller pyramid on the top. So George Washington shows this guy at my event, this golden pyramid. And then he tells, he tells this guy, George Washington told this guy that he was not happy at all that Trump was just elected. <laughs> so, you know, you could say what you want, but man, the father of our country <laughs> didn't like that Trump was elected. No. Yeah, well, and so when when, um, when Thomas Edison comes in, usually is there some specific messages that people are getting? Is it have, does it have to do with innovation? I mean, when you see that, that that person is showing up for people at your events, is there some type of connection with all this, or is it just for them personally? Um, I would have to say it's for them personally, but one of the things, the unique things that happens at these events is that sometimes there's three or four or five people who have the same experience. They share the same exact experience that they just had in their meditation. And it's a validation for, for those people. I mean, just imagine you're sitting in a group of 30 people. You close your eyes and start to play the flute. You're in your own world. You're, you're really not connected to these other people in the room because you're focused on your third eye and your eyes are closed and you know, you're having an experience. So can you imagine how bizarre that would be or how cool that would be to have some incredible experience with Benjamin Franklin or Kuan Yin or any of the Ascended Masters, right? And just imagine you shared your experience and then two other people or four other people in the room shared the exact experience that you just had with whichever master that was. Mm. The way I joke about it at the events, I say, well, it's kind of like you got off the train at the same stop. Mm -hmm. But the other level of it is that, you know, in our physical dimension, we don't, um, most people don't get to see how we how we interact with the heavenly dimension. And if we do get glimpses of it, because there really isn't clear 
ways of understanding what's happening. We don't really know how to compare these experiences um, or how to like catalog these experiences in our own mind, you know. But when you have other people who have the same experiences, you get different insights. But one of the things that the Ascended Masters do is that they have the ability to work with more than one person at the same time because they don't have the same limitations as we have in this physical world because the heavenly dimension has a different set of rules without the physical limitations that we have. So it's easy for an ascended master to give three people the same experience, take them to the same place. Like, for example, one of my paintings in the book um, has me playing the flute up on a cliff overlooking the, the ocean with purple mountains in the background. Okay? So the, my book has just come out, and I had that painting as the other side of my business card. So this woman shares this experience at the event. She said that Jesus appeared to her, and he took her to this cliff overlooking the ocean with these purple mountains in the background. So I handed her my business card. I said, well, did it look like this place on my business card? This woman almost had a heart attack because the painting on my business card was the exact place Jesus had just taken her in the meditation. Mm. How often do you see purple mountains? You know what I mean? You know, and then when I had it, yeah. I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. Two other people shared that same experience. And then when I talked to Jesus through a channeler about that, he said, well, it was easy. You know, it's like when somebody's meditating, it's easy for him or any of the other ascended masters to take people any place. So they take people to places that will connect with my my paintings or my book or me in, in some way so people can really see how connected all this stuff is. When did this all start coming together for you for your book? Because it's you've you have the art that's a portion of this, you know, there's the channelings that you get. When did this all come together for you? Well Jesus appeared to those three people at that first event. That had to be in 2015. And then after after that experience, the following week at my next event, you know, Jesus, Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene showed up to people at the event, so people shared their experiences with them. And then the following week, they, other people had experiences with them, but somebody else had an experience with Buddha. And every week, you know, it was like they were telling another one of their friends up in the Heavenly Convention, because, you know, they're all friends. You know, when we think about, when you think about the way religion is in this world, that everything is separate. You know, you go to this church, or that synagogue, or that temple, but you wouldn't ever go, you know, if you were part of one religion, you would never go to another church outside of your own religion, because everything in the physical world is separated. But in the heavenly dimension, everything is connected. Everything is part of this thing called oneness. And so Jesus and Buddha and Moses and Krishna, they're all best friends. They're all working together, and Kuan Yin and Isis and Mother Mary, Mary Magdalene, they're best buddies. 
they're all working together with the common goal of helping people realize their own spiritual potential and climbing the spiritual ladder. So this thing kept building and building where every week would be another per- another person from history, whether it was a religious person in history or, you know, somebody like George Washington or Benjamin Franklin or um, Nikolai Tesla or Gandhi. Another one of these ascended masters would show up to somebody at, at an event, and this thing just kept going and going and going. And I had written a couple of books before this book, um, and it's a real it's a real job to write a book. I mean, with doing a hundred events a year and making all these paintings and doing all the stuff that I'm doing, you know, it's it's a big job to start a book. So um, Jesus had told me through a channeler that uh, he and I were going to write a book together. And I'm like, well, what is the book going to be about? And he said, well, just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing good. And you'll see, and it'll unfold as time goes on, you know. Well, it became really obvious that they they wanted me to write this book because there were people who came to my events that I did not know. And Jesus or or one of, one of the family, as I call them, um, showed up to people in their meditation. And besides giving them a spiritual experience, they said to this person who I didn't know in the audience, ask David when he's going to get working on that book. Because I didn't want to write another book because it takes so much energy and attention and focus. And I've got so many things that I'm working on, you know. So just imagine over probably an eight-month period, about once a month, Somebody comes to an event that I don't know and is told in meditation. Ask David when he's going to get working on that book. <laughs> so what happened was, um, you know, Mimi and I were together for a year and a half. Um, and she was channeling them pretty much every day with me. And during this time when I was living with Mimi, she lived in Miami. And I had lived up north previously. And so when I moved down to the part of Miami where she lived, I didn't know anybody for 45 minutes away. So basically, um, she had a one-bedroom apartment, and she used to do acupuncture in the living room. And so when she had clients, I had to be in the bedroom because she had clients that she was you know, treating in the living room. And I had nothing to do, so I started to paint again because I painted in 2011 and 12. Then I stopped in 2013, 14 15, because I just was traveling so much doing all these events, and I just really was not in the headspace to paint. So I started to paint again because I really had nothing else to do when I was visiting her because I was, like, in this room while she was doing acupuncture in the living room. And I started to paint, and my painting went to a higher level. And I started making these paintings that I really didn't know why I was making these paintings. I made like five paintings of two figures in a cave. I've never lived in a cave. I've never thought about a cave. It's not something that I think about in my daily life, but this is these images that were coming through in my paintings. Well, I paint 150 paintings in a year and a half, and then Jesus tells me to tell me that we're supposed to go to France. And he gives us three places in France where they want us to go. It turns out that in the year 1279, there was a French nobleman who was visited in the dream by Mary Magdalene. 
and Mary Magdalene told his French nobleman that her bones were buried in a box under a church in a small village in the south of France called St. Maximin. This was such a powerful dream that this French nobleman took a crew down to the south of France, found this little village called St. Maximin, went under the church and found this wooden box. When he opened up this wooden box, there were bones, human bones in the box, and there was a handwritten letter that said, Here lie the bones of St. Mary Magdalene. So, after that, this, this French nobleman built a giant basilica called the Basilica of St. Mary Magdalene on top of the church. And that's a true story. And they changed the name of the town from St. Maximin to St. Maximin the St. Baum. And Baum in French means cave because everybody in the south of France knows that Mary Magdalene lives in this cave that was not far from where her bones were found in that box. And, you know, that's a historical record when they changed the town, the name of the town, in the year 1279. You know, it's it's fascinating. In your book, you talk about a story of a woman who Jesus actually came up to in, in one of your meditations and um, asked if she would forgive him. And it was, I found that to be a very powerful story. Yeah, that's in chapter one. Um, her name is Crystal, and, you know, her whole life she was really, um, she was not a friend of Jesus, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times people grow up in a church, and they're, you know, fed this story that does not resonate with them. And this mm-hmm. biblical story is pushed on millions and millions of people. And so she never felt connected to Jesus. So what happened was she went to her very first meditation workshop and that this was not one of my workshops. This was years before she and I had met. And so the person who was leading, leading this workshop on channeling said, you know, after she spoke for about 20 minutes, she said, everybody close your eyes and we're going to meditate now and just clear your mind and trust the first thing that comes through to you. And so Crystal was sitting there in her first meditation workshop, and Jesus comes up to her and whispers in her left ear, can you forgive me? And and she says, forgive you for what? Why would I need to forgive you? And Jesus said, because we had to leave you when you were little because it wasn't safe to bring you where we were going. At that moment, she's shown an image of her being one of Jesus and Mary Magdalene's children. And that was it. And she's bawling her eyes out now because she now understands she had um he had she had an abandonment issue for her whole life. She never knew where that abandonment issue came from. And so now she understood where it came from and she's bawling her eyes out in the in the meditation with the other people in the room. Well when the meditation is over, the woman leading the workshop points to her of all the people in the room and says, Ma'am I want to tell you, during the meditation, I could see Jesus whispering in your left ear, but I couldn't tell what he was saying to you. Wow. I I just, I love that story because it really just shows how powerful these events are. 
and the kind of truth that people get and the healing they get from attending. It's been it's been a, an education for me, but after doing this almost 400 times in four years, mm-hmm. you hear you hear consistency in people's experiences. Like the ascended masters, they're not all serious, and the ascended masters. It's actually better to call them teachers because a master puts somebody way, 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 way above you and they don't really want you to put them on a pedestal at all because they want you to see your own divinity so you can become a master yourself, so you can become a teacher yourself. The ascended masters are not looking for followers. They are looking for leaders. They are looking for people who will climb the spiritual ladder and share that knowledge and that experience and that love with other people. So they're not looking for people to follow them at all because there's there's no, that's not the goal. The goal is for humanity at this amazing time that we're living in right now where we we have freedoms, spiritual freedoms that we didn't have 500 years ago or 1,000 years ago. You couldn't have conversations like this in public. Oh, yeah, definitely and, not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting how things have evolved over time that allows us to have these discussions and have this openness so people can really have um, their own personal experience spiritually. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's not it's not reading a book and, you know, memorizing a couple of paragraphs. That that doesn't mean you're spiritual. What makes somebody spiritual is when you're actually listening to your intuition. Because every ascended master, as part of their training, learned to listen to their intuition and to trust it, even when it's not logical. Because our logical mind only understands what it already knows. But when you go into meditation, you get a completely new insight into a problem that you have or a situation that you have. That is, that's your inner voice. That's your intuition. That's, that's God's biggest gift to us is the fact that we can receive guidance, whether you call it intuition or whatever word you call it. It doesn't matter what you call it, but the fact is, is that you get a feeling or guidance that's leading you to do something. And when you, I, I, I have another book that's called Divine Inner Guidance. It's about the incredible things that happen when you listen to your intuition. It's also about the incredible things that happen when you don't listen to your intuition. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine the, you know, you need to turn right here and instead you take a left and, you know, just how that path takes you in different places, you know. Yeah. And sometimes your your inner guidance tells you things that are bizarre and are not logical. And one thing that every single channel, every professional channel you go to, as part of their training, they, they learn that there are times that spirit gives them a message that does not make sense and is not logical. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of my friends is a... A channeler, he's a Native American elder in, in Canada. His name is White Eagle. 
And he was telling me the story that this woman came to him for a reading. She was all upset because she had been happily married for like 30 years and had a great relationship. And a big family problem had happened between her and her husband's sister. So her sister-in-law. Because the, the mother, her husband's mother had, had died. And before she died, her husband's mother gave her her wedding ring. And her wedding ring was really cherished. Well, her wedding ring now goes missing. And she, it's so important to her, and she starts accusing her husband's sister of stealing this wedding ring. Well, this creates a tremendous, tremendous problem in the family. And now it's so bad that she and her husband are thinking about getting divorced. So she goes to White Eagle and says, can you help me with this problem? Because this is completely tearing my family apart, and it's it's serious. So White Eagle closes his eyes and gets this message, and he says, ma'am, the message I'm going to give you, I know you're not going to like this message. It's going to sound really bizarre, but this is what Spirit is telling me. Spirit is telling me to ask you if you have a tin coffee can she says, yeah. And he says, well, Spirit is telling me that you're supposed to go into your backyard and fill a tin coffee can with dirt from your backyard. And you can imagine this woman is thinking, oh, my God, I paid for this. You know, mm-hmm. that's so bizarre. And and it it wasn't funny. You know, now we can laugh about it now, right? So she goes goes home. She gets a coffee can out of her cabinet. She goes into her backyard and picks a random spot in her backyard to put some dirt from from her backyard into this coffee can. And while she's filling the coffee can with dirt, the mother's wedding ring is found in the dirt and lands in the coffee can. (laughs) Gotta love that. Can't make that stuff up, right? So it's interesting when when those you know that direction from spirit comes is what happens, you know. Yes, sometimes it's completely not logical. Mm Hmm. But the thing is, is you got to trust it. Yeah. Without a doubt. No, it's okay. I mean, I've got more questions than we have time, you know, because you've got a lot of great information. Your book I found to be so profound. We haven't dived too much into the book because we want our readers to pick up a copy of The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. But we do want to talk, I do want to ask you a question about, you know, your thoughts around religion. What do you think about that? Well, um, are you talking about one specific religion or, well, or just in relation all religions to together? You, all religions together, you know, with the viewpoint that you have now, you know, being being as close as you are to Jesus, you know, Mary, you know, both Mary Hoping. and and and, uh, and also the Ascended Masters. Well. <clears throat> There's so many things in the Bible that have been added to the Bible that were not in the original Bible. And there are so many things that have been taken out of the Bible from the original Bible. And that was because 
there was a big problem in 381, 381 years after people think that Jesus died at 33 when he actually lived to be 72 years old. Mary Magdalene lived to be in their, in her 50s. Okay. But there was a big problem in the Roman Empire because there were two groups of people. There were people who believed that Jesus was born God. They were born perfect, right? And then there was this other group of people who believed that Jesus was born a human being, a man, ten fingers, ten toes, a normal guy who became spiritual, had God-realization, and then that God adopted him. Okay? So there were all of these problems back in the Roman Empire about 300 years after people think that he died at 33. And it was a big problem. So the emperor at the time was called Emperor Constantine. Now, Emperor Constantine wanted to stop this fighting, and there were riots about this whole thing. Okay? So Emperor Constantine calls a meeting of all the bishops and some of the priests at this place called Nicaea. So it was called the Council of Nicaea. And Nicaea was in Turkey. And they decide to take a lot of stuff out of the Bible that was confusing people. Like they took a lot of his Jewish heritage out of the Bible because they were trying to build a new religion and they didn't really want to have so much information about Judaism in, a, in what they were calling the Christian Bible. One of the things that they were having problems with is that there were five religions at that time that all had a virgin birth in their religion. Buddhism had a virgin birth in the religion. Nicolaism had a virgin birth in the religion. Um, the Egyptian goddess Horus was also um, supposedly born of a, a virgin birth. Three wise men appeared when Horus was born, and there was a special star in the sky. You know, Horus ended up having 12 apostles. I mean, it sounds very familiar. So what Emperor Constantine did was he decided to add the virgin birth to the Bible. 381 years later at the Council of Nicaea, so this way Buddhism would not sound cooler than Christianity because Buddhism had a virgin birth and Christianity didn't. So Emperor Constantine made Mother Mary a virgin. That's a true story. It's historical. Nobody's going to argue about that because it's in the history books. It really, really happened. So the, that's the exact opposite of what Jesus would ever want anybody to think because he wouldn't want anybody to think that he's more special than you. Because his goal, along with Buddha and Krishna and Moses and all the other ascended masters and the archangels, their goal is for each one of us to experience enlightenment so we can become masters ourselves, so there can be more light workers on earth sharing this higher knowledge so humanity can take the step up. So, this is, this is, look at it like this. Um, let me ask you a really dumb question. Do you think that God loves you? Of course. Obviously, you think God loves you. Right, of course, right? So, if God loves you, do you think that God wants you to feel good about yourself? I, I would think so, yes. I would think so, right? So, anything that doesn't make you feel good about yourself would not be coming from God. Could we agree on that? Mm-hmm. So, to have a Christian Bible 
that says that you are born a sinner. That is the opposite of something that makes you feel good about yourself because that's something that makes people feel bad about themselves, makes people feel unworthy, and puts Jesus on such a pedestal that you don't even feel worthy to even talk to him. That's the exact opposite of what Jesus, Mother Mary, or any of them want anybody to think because they want you to experience and appreciate yourself. So this way you have more love for yourself than you have more love for other people. They want you to see your own divinity. Anything that tries to make you feel like you are not worthy is not looking out for your best interest. Well, and I think I have time for one more question before we have to go here, and it's about your music. I, you know, was it easy to learn how to play two flutes at the same time? I'm sure this is like everyone asks you this question, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I get it. It's that a lot. Well, it was ridiculously hard um, for about two years. But what, I, what happened was that I was playing at Venice Beach. I ran out of money. I was a rock musician. I moved to California. Ran out of money. I started playing the flute at Venice Beach with a woman who played the harp. We made these tapes called Celestial Winds. Later made CDs. We sold 100,000 units together. But in the beginning, my partner and I, well, she only knew how to play six songs in the beginning. So we played those same six songs like 30 or 40 times a day. And that's called torture if you're a musician. Right. <laughs> so, you know, during the afternoon after I'd already played those songs like 25 times each and I was bored out of my mind, sometimes, you know, I would pick up a second flute. Now, my harpist at the time, you know, she used to wear these beautiful white flowing dresses. She had dark flowing hair and a beautiful Celtic harp. And she looked like a goddess on the beach. And everybody who was walking by would always say, look at that beautiful woman and that beautiful harp. And I was like the invisible man. Well, during the afternoon, after I played those songs 25 times and I was bored out of my mind, to break up the boredom, I would pick up a second flute and see if I could play two of these flutes, Renaissance flutes. They're also called recorders. To see if I could play two of these flutes at one time just to break up the boredom. Every single time I did that, whoever was walking by said, hey, look, that guy's playing two flutes at one time. And then she was invisible. And honestly, that was the only reason why I did it. But it was very difficult because, I mean, if you can imagine, if you're if you're a righty and you play guitar, and then you tried to play guitar like a lefty, it would be like completely starting from zero. And because the right hand on the flute does a completely different job than the left hand, when I was playing two at one time, it was... It was a real mind bender to try to figure out, well, how do I think about my my right hand doing one thing and my left hand doing a different thing? It, it took me a long time, but once I got it, it was easy. And, you know, at this point, I started doing that in 1990, so this is, um, you know, all these years later. At this point, I can play two flutes at one time, and you can ask me math questions, and I can figure out the math in my head while I'm playing the two, the two flutes. But I, you know, that's only on special days. <laughs> well, you are highly talented, not only as a musician and as a painter, but also as an author. And so where can people connect with you, David, and learn more about your music and all the great stuff you do and be part of your community? 
Well, my website is davidyoungmusic.com. And I have a I have a public figure page on Facebook that's under my name, under under Dave Young. Perfect. Well, people can connect. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Um, there's another place that, you know, people can find me. I, if they go into meditation and ask Jesus or Buddha where, where to find me, they can, Jesus and Buddha can tell you where I'm going to be. Well, there you go. And if they can't, and, uh, they can't connect, then they can go to your website and, and look at your upcoming events, right? Yeah, yeah. So one way or the other, you can find me. <laughs> Either on this plane or in another. Well, thank you, David. It's been a very illuminating time to talk with you in regards to your new book, The True Story of Jesus and His Wife, Mary Magdalena. Well, we're at the end of our time today. I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. You're listening to Moments with Marianne. And remember, make every moment count. In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Her guests are leaders in their fields, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, and business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in her own work. And while teaching others to develop, refocus, and grow, Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. You never know just which moment will change your life forever. Moments with Marianne airs every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific time. Make sure to tune in and visit momentswithmarianne.com for more information.